Good morning, everybody. This is normally the part where I tell you to grab your Bible, and I want you to do that. But I can tell if you're watching this. Actually, I can't tell because I can't see you. But you can see me, and you can tell that there's something different already. In fact, uh, a lot different. We're in our new location. Uh, this is not live. This is still uh, me you know, speaking to the camera. But next week, we will be live. So we wanted to let you kind of get a glimpse at what we're doing and invite you to come be part of it. So next week, next Sunday, 10 o'clock a.m. in the morning, that's when we're going to meet. We want you to come, anybody who wants to, 10 a.m. next Sunday morning. We are on the corner of 52nd and University. So if you know Tempe, we're on the corner of 52nd and University. We actually face 52nd, so we're facing the QT across the street. The actual address is 1783 University Drive. 1783 University Drive. Again, we're facing 52nd. So you'll see us. We're right up in the front there at that intersection. Uh, the, this 133 is the suite if you, if you want it. But you'll find us if you come look for us. And we would love for you to be here next week, 10 o'clock a.m. We'll be live. So meantime tonight, we're still meeting in our home, so we want you to come be part of that. If you want to know how to find us, same routine. Send us a email, uh, send us a text, a direct message on so, uh, social media, however you want to do it. Uh, give us a shout through the website or whatever and let us know you're interested. We'll tell you exactly how to find you, find us or answer any questions you have or any of that kind of stuff. So, but today we're going on. Uh, with what uh, we've been talking about next week, we'll start something new. We're actually go through the whole Bible. I'll talk about that later. But this week, we're going to continue on uh, the move from 2021 to 2022. We talked about it last week a little bit. We're going to talk about it again this week. So you have had time, surely by now, to get your Bible. And I want to challenge you to get it. Get a Bible. Pick one up. Get it in your hand, or if you want to scroll to find one, that's fine. Whatever device you're watching this on, I guarantee you it has a Bible on it, especially if you're in the United States of America, and I can just about guarantee you it's free. So get it. I want you to look where these are because it's easy for you to read something on a screen, and I don't I don't want you to trust in just reading it on a screen and being done with it. I want you to take the reference, put it in your head, and go look it up. So you'll be getting challenged more and more with that. Uh, it's important that you have the word in your hand and in your heart. Okay. So again, we're going back and we're looking at this whole talk we've been doing on 2022. And uh, before we kind of race into the life altering resolutions that we all make, we want to stop and consider a couple of things, a couple of biblical guidelines first. Change is not wrong. Change is great. You know, it can, well, it can be. Uh, but we just want to make sure of a couple of things that we're considering from a biblical perspective first. So last week we talked about looking at 2021 and marking your God moments. I'm not going to go back over that. It was from Joshua 4. Go back and watch the video. Listen to the podcast, however you want to do it. But mark your God moments. Look back and make marks of the times in 2021 where God moved. And this week... I want to add to that, trust in God's plan. So before we move forward, mark your God's moments and then trust in God's plan. Well, well, why trust God's plan? So, some seems to be like an obvious question. You know, we could say, well, because he's worthy of our trust. And that would be true. We could say, well, he's good. Well, and that would be true too. But the perspective that I'm kind of coming from today is I would say trust in God's plan because of where it's leading. 
All right, because of where it's leading. We're leading into 2022. We want to trust in God's plan because of where it's leading. So grab your Bible. Surely you have it by now. Grab your Bible. Grab chapter 21 of Revelation. And I'm going to read a few verses here and we'll uh, get into it. Verse 5 says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Let me pray. Lord, your word is amazing. I know I say that all the time, but that's just because it excites me so much. Thank you for the privilege of speaking it, teaching it. Um, and I, and I say this all the time, but I, that's for all of us, not for me as a pastor holding a microphone, for all of us that believe in you, that call you Lord, to have the privilege of speaking and teaching your word. Pray today as we wrestle through it, God, that you're brought glory from what's said, not me and not anybody else, not this building, just you, and that your word stays your word and, and never mine. I love you and I ask these things in Christ's name, amen. So um, I actually have a pretty amazing illustration I could use, a uh, very appropriate life illustration for where we're going today about trusting in God's plan when you're looking into 2022, but I can't use it because I'll lose all composure if I try to. It's a real personal <laughs> right now. Um, but maybe you got one in mind. Maybe there's one you've got in mind, a moment where you're facing decisions or, or or looking at the future and you're not sure what God's doing, you know, and maybe a year later you still don't know exactly what he's doing. And, and maybe it's a few years and you're still not sure what he's doing. One thing I can guarantee you, whether he does show out and blow your mind in 2022 or not, maybe 2023 and you're still waiting. I don't know, but I can assure you that there is a plan beyond 2022, beyond 2023, beyond 2029, beyond 2050. However long history ticks off, there's an eternal plan that all plans are working towards. And that plan, that plan is one that we can completely trust right now, right now, because we know where it's headed. All right, we know where it's headed. So today I want to basically do what I said last week. I want to pause a minute and I want to put God's eternal plan back in front of our eyes for a minute to think. So that when we walk into this new year, having already set up the markers, our God markers like we talked about, these God moments in 2021, not in all of history, just last year. That we can trust his plan as each day comes into 2022. Okay, that's that's where we're sitting. So two things we're going to look at. What's the plan? That seems like a dub, but what am I talking about, Dave? What's the plan, and where is it leading? Okay, so first, what's the plan? Revelation 21, verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Notice that it's not my actions, it's his actions that are doing that. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So the first thing to pull out of this to make a note of is to remember that God is the one making all things new. God is the one making all things new. Sometimes we think we are. Sometimes we think that's up to us, right? You know, we look at ways to be younger, 
whether it's obsessing over exercise going into this next year or maybe getting Botox or surgeries of different kinds or whatever it may be, whatever way we think in the next year we're going to make ourselves younger or we look for ways to fix the planet. You know, we want to make the planet new because it's got these problems and that problem. So we're going to stop doing this and we're going to do more of that. Or maybe we give up hope on the planet altogether and we start joining in the space race to find another planet that uh, is new. Probably the most dangerous one of all, I think, is spiritually speaking, we, we try to be the best person we can, hoping that it will clean away the dirt of our sin and we'll just appear new. Uh, certainly to God we want to appear new. But he is the one and only one who makes new. And he is doing it. didn't just say, I can, I'm able. He said, I am making all things new. And though we make all kinds of resolutions and claims about what we're going to do, what we're going to do with this next year and whatnot, with the best and greatest of intentions behind it, Notice that his plan is certain. Because we say all these things and we may or may not get them done, but his plan is certain. Look what he says in verse 5 again. He says, uh, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I never said that. I never said that. You ever heard that phrase? I'm sure you have. We all have. That statement ever caused you to be speechless? Like, how can you look me in the face and say you never said that? <laughs> you know, uh, maybe it came from a child you caught in the act of using profanity, you know. Maybe it came from a friend who promised to come help you move or something. Maybe it came from a husband who is leaving because his love was actually a lie. But when you write it down, there's evidence. It's not... I never said that. Oh, well, yeah, you did. You might decide to break it, but you can't deny it because here it is. You wrote it down. God says, write it down. Make it known. Hold me to it. That's what he's saying. Hold me to it. God says, write it down. Make it known. Hold me to it. Unlike many of us who break our word, his word is, he said, trustworthy. That means that He is able to do what he says. You are able to put your trust in him. His trust has worth. It has value. He's trustworthy. You can trust him. All right. And he's true, which means he will most certainly, most certainly do what he says because he cannot lie. All right. Verse six, Revelation 21, verse six. And he said to me, it is done. I'm afraid to shout that. I don't want to pop the speakers, but he's shouting it. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Now notice something here. He said, he just said, I am making all things new. And now he's saying it is done at the same time. One is stating a, a present action and one is expressing a completed action, which is it. It's both. And that's throughout the word. I'll give you some examples. Second Corinthians 5.17. Many of you probably know this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, currently is, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, he has, the new has come. Well, as believers then, we are a new creation, right? The old has passed away. It's already said and done. But we still live in this body, right? And we still wrestle with sin, right? We're already 
Born again, for instance. Consider that. We're already born again. John 3, verse 3. Jesus says, truly, I, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you can't see the kingdom until you are born again. So we are already reborn. But while we are reborn, at the same time, we're being renewed. To give you a bunch of verses, but let me just give you a couple. Second Corinthians 4, 16. Paul says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is, look, being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So Paul's saying we're being renewed day by day, even though we are a new creation. He also said in, in, back in chapter 3 of the same book, Second Corinthians, he said in verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, believers, we all, with unveiled faces, beholding, gazing, looking, staring at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So God is making us into the image of his Son. And that is a process. He says, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's the act of God. It's something that... He's doing, excuse me, how can it be both? How can it be both? How can it already be happening, or how can it be already done and yet happening at the same time? Well, back in Revelation 21, you have the answer. Because Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega at the same time. At the same time. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter. So he's in essence he's saying I am the A and the Z. I am the beginning and the end. That's what he's saying. But notice that he's saying I am those things. And yes, I am is the name for God. Uh, it was given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. You can look that up in your own time. That is true. But look at the tense within the structure of the sentence here. He's not saying, I was at the beginning and I will be at the end. And he's not saying, I was the beginning and I will be the end. What he's saying is, I am presently the beginning and I am presently the end. I am presently the beginning and I am presently the end. He is eternal. He's saying, I'm outside of the story, fellas. I'm outside of the story of history because I wrote the story and its entire purpose is my son, Jesus. That's what he's saying. I also entered the story and I also make the story true. Man, that, that's huge. Huge. And then he states three blessings that come with his plan. Look in verse 6. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage or inheritance. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Uh, so the water here. First, let's just look at him really fast. The water is free, but it's to the thirsty. Do you get that? It's free, but it's to the thirsty. I, I could give you a lot again, but let me just give you a few verses. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Watch, watch how many times he says, come. Come, everyone, key, keywords, who thirsts. If you're not thirsty, don't waste your time. But if you're thirsty, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, 
Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. If you think there's anything unfair about God, you're wrong because he's saying four times right there in that one verse, come, come. Oh, well, you know, God's rejected me. God's pushed me away. God, no, no, come. Now, if you don't want to come, that's on you. But don't act like he didn't invite you. It's there repeatedly. Come. The problem is, do you thirst? Do you thirst? Another verse, Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Not There's not a period there. Thirst for righteousness. Do you want the righteousness of God? Do you want that? Do you thirst for that? Well, if you do, then guess what? You'll be satisfied, he says. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul. Look what he said. For you. For you. Not just for water. Not just for happiness. For you. Oh, God, my soul thirsts for God. For the living God. That's what he's talking about. If you're thirsty, you will have him. If you're thirsty for him. And then it says, uh, back Revelation 21, he says the heritage here, that heritage is given, but it says to those who conquer. It's given to those who conquer. So does that mean, what, well, I gotta earn my salvation now? Is that what you're saying? No. John, the same author who wrote the book of Revelation, also wrote this in one of his other letters, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world or conquers. Same thing, the world. So what does it take to conquer the world? You must be born of God. Or as Jesus said, we already read, born again. And if you're born again, you conquer. Not because of you, but because of him. So he's saying it plain as day. Everyone who has been born of God conquers or overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith Verse 5, he says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Believe by faith. Putting your faith in his works, not yours, that's how you conquer. That's how you overcome. And then last, he said, to those who know him as God, he knows them as family. Man, that's awesome. To say as a son, he's saying family. You're part of my family. Man, this is the plan, and it's a real good plan to be made new by grace alone, through faith alone, in the one who is eternal because he wrote the story and he's outside the story. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Lamb who was slain, but he is alive. And he sits on the throne of heaven as the king of all creation. That's a good plan, man. And where is it leading? Man, this is the great part. Where is it leading? What's the plan? And then number two, where is it leading? Verse three, he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. All mankind there, by the way, not one particular race. That's not an individual. It's mankind. He will dwell with them. Just let that sit in your head a minute. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Revelation 7, earlier in the book, in verse 9, John writes that, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. How many is that? 
Well, duh, no one can number. Think about a numberless body of people, the stars, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon or someplace where they're just limitless stars, like that kind of thing, hopeless attempt at counting them. But look what he says, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. And they're standing before this throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, pure, with palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Man, that's awesome stuff. I'm not even breaking it down. I just want you to get the picture. Revelation 5, backing up. We started in 21. We backed up to 7, back up to 5. Verse 9. And they, he's talking about these heavenly beings that are around God's throne. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open his seals. You can look that up in your own time. This is what I want you to see. For you were slain, obviously talking about Christ. You were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on earth. Man, that's powerful language. So where is it leading? It's leading to people from everywhere and from all of time. It's leading to rich people. Poor people, young people, old people, healthy people, unhealthy people, educated people, uneducated people. Like the old children's song used to say, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. It's leading to all races from all of time. When he says tribes, that means families. Tribe is a family unit. So he's talking about from all families. He's not saying every person. He's saying from all families. There's a representation at the throne. Languages. Currently, there are 7,117 known languages in the world. Just put that in your brain. 7,117 known languages in the world currently. From all of those, there will be people before the throne. And then he says people. That's talking about people groups, like a community, people who have a common uh, life experience, a community. It could be a city. It could be a nation, but it's a common group of people. And then he says the word nation as well. That's the Greek word ethne. That's talking about race from every race. The trustworthy plan here is leading to people from all of those categories and from all points in history singing praise to Jesus in his presence worshiping him and not out of oppression from this God ruler or whatever not out of a sense of responsibility because oh man we owe it to him but filled with inexpressible overflowing love for him How do I know that? How do I know that? Why are they doing it? It says because by his blood he ransomed them. Man, get me in line. You know what I'm saying? I can't sing at all, but I'm going to be ready. I'm ready to go, Uh, you know. And it says back in uh, chapter 21 there, 
in verse, what is that, 3, it says, He himself will be their God, himself, in person. It's him. He's, he's restating the fact it's all of him. It's as the angels know him. Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity itself, Him, all of Him. First John 3, verse 2 says, Behold, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He, Jesus, appears, we shall see Him, or excuse me, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. It's the idea of having this super intimate relationship where nothing is veiled anymore, and nothing is out of our ability to relate to with our God. He is himself with us. What will it be like in heaven? Having this dwelling place of God with man? What what will it be like? Well, the Bible says a lot, but look at verse 4 here in Revelation 21. I'm backing up a little and we'll finish here. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away, which is the result of the plan to make all things new. It's not that heaven is the opposite of all bad things. It's that heaven is absent of just one thing. Sin. Say it again. Heaven is not the opposite of all bad things. It's just not everything good and nothing bad. Heaven is absent of only one thing, and that is sin. Death, mourn, mourning, crying, pain. All these things are the result of sin, the world, of sinful world we live in. And man, look, I love that John wrote, wipe away every tear from their eyes. He didn't just say there's no more crying. He said he would wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's the experience of God's actual presence being with us to love us like a father would. Uh, I picture him lifting us up in his arms, you know, holding us close to his chest like a child, like his child, and, and, and wiping the tears of pain and suffering that have been caused by sin, brushing them softly off our cheek, you know, and then squeezing us kind of tight to him. Saying it's okay, it's over now, you're safe, you're home. Man, new sounds real good. You know, new sounds real good. No longer dealing with all these things because sin no longer plays a role in our lives. It's gone. It doesn't play a role in the lives of those around us because it's gone from them as well. It doesn't play a role in the world around us either. Isaiah wrote in chapter 11, verse 6, he says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion will eat straw like the ox, The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Snake. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. All creation then has a new nature. Where sin once reigned, now the love of Christ reigns. Because he, the lamb who was slain, is alive and his word is true and he is 
and has made all things new. Let me uh, close up with this. John 14, verse 2. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you uh, uh, that I go to prepare a place for you. Um, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I love what John MacArthur said about that. He said, just think. When our Lord fashioned the material universe at the beginning of time, he did it in seven days. Yet he has been working on heaven for nearly two millennia, ever since Jesus said these words and rose. What a wonder it must be. I mean, seriously. How often do you stare at the sky and just wonder about heaven? Do you do that? Do you go outside and stare at the sky and just wonder about heaven? Sometimes, and I get it as pastors especially, we're quick to say, hey, quit staring into the heavens and get busy making disciples and spreading the gospel. And I get all that. To some extent, it's true. There were angels that told the disciples that when Jesus arose. Uh, I get it. However, it's also good for our souls at times, man, to dwell on it, to allow it to recenter Whatever it is in the world that's making you feel hopeless or broken. Looking at the stars and just staring into infinity thinking about how God's plan is so much bigger. Or maybe watching clouds uh, drift and thinking, man, God's heaven is so much bigger. But that being said, if your source of anticipation comes entirely from staring at clouds and stars, then heaven becomes your design at that point. And it's something of your imagination. It's just like looking at the clouds and saying, I see a, a frog or I see a dragon or I see a, you know, a pole or whatever. You're just imagining things at that point. What am I saying? Or what, what, what am I saying? This is what I'm saying. I'm saying, read your Bible, read your Bible, all of it, all of it, and then go look at the stars. Then go consider the clouds picturing the sun who is soon coming, the reality within his word that is soon coming. Those things that you read in his word, those things are what you picture as you look into the sky. And remember, remember what he said? Remember what he said? Write this down. It's trustworthy and true. If you don't look at what's written down, it's just a daydream, man. He said, write it down. It's trustworthy. If you're not looking at what's written down, then number one, he wasted his time writing it there. And number two, you're just daydreaming at that point. So again, before you plan your resolutions for 2022, again, first of all, as we already said, take some time, consider those moments in 2021 and mark them down. Mark them. Not, not all of the years in your past. Not 2020, which was an epic year, obviously. 2021, just back up a year and mark them down. Those God moments where God did something that you consider impactful in your life, okay? And then now I would add, take some time to reset your soul on the eternal plan of God, the plan for all creation, which obviously includes you, and then shape your decisions when you go into 2022. Now, if you don't have that hope today, all this I'm talking about, about heaven, you don't have that, I want you to know you can have it. You can have it. It's accessed 
by faith in the king of heaven. It's accessed by faith in the lamb who was slain. It's accessed by the cross. Jesus made heaven possible through the cross. And the reason why is because it's his heaven and it's your, you are his creation. And he loves you enough. He wants you enough in that heaven to suffer and die on a cross to make that way possible. But it is accessed by faith. Can you admit who you are? Can you own it? Can you say, I am a sinner. I know it. I know I sin. I see it everywhere. I see it in my life. I know it. I don't want it anymore. I want to repent. I want to be different. Can you do that? Can you own that? Can you be honest and say it? Can you believe in who he is? Can you admit you're a sinner? Can you believe in who he is? What I'm telling you today is true. He is the God of creation. He is the God who made you. He is alive. He has not spun the world and gone off. It is his word. Can you believe that? And then can you trust in what he accomplished? That he defeated sin on that cross. That he died there for you. That he went to a grave and rose from that grave because you have no chance of doing that. Nothing you can do will be good enough. But what he did is. Can you trust in that? Those things are yeses from you. Then you need to tell him however you want. Just say it. Tell him and then tell us because we want to pray with you. We want to help you be discipled. We want to help you find a great church. And listen, if you're anywhere near Northwest Tempe, we are right over close to the airport. Come find us. We want to know you. We want you to be part of our family. Lord, I love you. I thank you for the privilege of speaking and preaching and teaching your word. Jesus, thank you for heaven. Thank you for hope. Thank you for a plan that's bigger and that's headed somewhere. Help us be faithful, God, to share your word, to devote our lives to making disciples so that we play our role in seeing people from every tribe, tongue, nation, language surrounding your throne, Lord. Can't wait for that day. I love you, and I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.